My name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Bryant McDowell. And I'm Molly Keck. And we're with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Department of Entomology, and this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. Welcome back to Bugs by the Yard. We decided that we're going to start doing a spider series, which I am really excited about. So I'm kicking things off with one of my favorite spider families, and that is the family Salticity, which are the jumping spiders. So how does everybody feel about jumping spiders? I think they're adorable. I think they're the cutest spiders of the spiders. I completely agree. They're just, oh. You know how you just like want to squish cute things? I mean, not that I want to squish spiders, but you're just like, oh, you're so adorable. I just can't help myself. So I didn't realize that their family name, is it family or order that salticity? Family. Order. Family, sorry. Saltatorial legs are jumping. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's how they get salticity. I'm just thinking aloud here. So this is actually the largest family of spiders. There are over 6,000 species of them worldwide. We have over 100 species of them in Texas. And these spiders can be found all over the world except for Antarctica, of course. I think that they've even sent a jumping spider into space at some point. So they are astronauts. So how cool is that? I mean, you can't get any better than that for spiders. (laughs) So I think probably what these are best known for, other than being totally cute, is their vision. And they do have excellent vision. And they use that for moving around, obviously, that helps them see where they're going. But they also use it for hunting, and then some will also use it for courtship purposes, so like mating displays. And it is extremely complex the way that they see. I was fascinated because there's articles devoted to just jumping spider vision and how they are seeing things and judging depth perception. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. So which one of you wants to kind of give a general overview of what these guys and girls look like? Um, I can. Okay. So they they look kind of like your typical spider. They range in color though. They can be, there are some that are reddish and then there are some that are solid, almost nearly solid black. Others that are kind of a mottled brownish color with some black markings on them. So pretty diverse, I would say in their coloration, but they all kind of share the same look to them, like a figure eight type of a pattern. And they tend to prop themselves up on their on their legs and kind of look at you. They're real, they seem to be curious. I don't know that they necessarily are, but they've got huge eyes, which is what makes them so adorable. I mean, like when you think of cartoons and just memes and things like that, where you're trying to portray something adorable, that emoji, and it's got the big eyes that are just kind of batting themselves at you. That's kind of how these guys look. Um, Or at least to me, that's what their little eyeballs look like. They're very, very fuzzy. Um, I would say maybe other than tarantulas, they're probably the hairiest spiders that when I think of a hairy spider, I think these guys come to me. And I would say with their legs 
outstretched at rest, not pulled like they're dead, but they're about the size of a quarter, a, a, a um, nickel to a quarter. So they're a fairly, I consider a small spider, not necessarily very large, but conspicuous enough that you would definitely notice them. Actually, when I was researching, they use their rear legs for jumping and their front legs are used for holding prey. But they, of course, since they're a spider, they have the eight legs. So the the front two pair of legs are actually longer than their hind legs. And the cool thing that I was reading, and I this was just like one of those, huh, because you think about jumping arthropods like grasshoppers and crickets and they've got the big old hind legs or fleas and they've got those large femurs with the muscles in them and that helps under thighs yeah it's like they propel them because they have those muscles jumping spiders don't have those really enlarged hind legs and that is because they use a system similar to like a hydraulic system and they jump and cause that force by altering the fluids in their body. So their hemolymph, which is essentially blood. So they alter the way it like where that is in the body to create that jumping thing. So they don't need really huge legs, which I found so cool. It's like a piston instead of like, <laughs> you Muscle. know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it was just in my mind. Like a, it, so it's not like a click beetle or like a furcula action, like a flick? No, it's it's actually their legs that they're using to push off, but they are doing it not with their muscles, but with fluid. Huh. So it's it's like the force of the movement of the fluid inside of their body, which is really unique. And fact, these guys take down like flies, so... Yeah, I mean, they can take down fairly large prey. They're pretty substantial and good at what they're doing. And they can jump usually two to three body lengths. So, you know, measure your little jumping spider. But there are some that can go up to 38 times their body length, which is insane. I just, I can't even imagine that. That's like a Superman spider or something. They do have silk. I know that that's one of those things, you know, spiders and silk kind of go hand in hand. But these do not create webbing like you typically think of with a general spider. If you're interested in those spiders, we're going to be doing those next. So tune in to the next one that we're going to be doing. But with jumping spiders, they use the silk as a drag line when they're jumping and it helps to stop them, so kind of like a break. <laughs> and then it also helps to provide stabilization. And then, of course, if, if they miss their target for some reason, then they can climb back up that as a um, kind of a, a lifeline. Uh, yeah, a lifeline or safety line or something. They do, and I, I just recently experienced this. I have a jumping spider in my my collection of stuff. And they actually, they build a silken tent. And I, I didn't know that because I was looking for my jumping spider. It's in a, it's in a, here, I'll grab it so you guys can see it. Not that you people 
at home can see this because you're listening to it, but it's in this little mushroom like container and the bottom of the mushroom is clear. And I was looking for the jumping spider. I couldn't find it. And it's up in the lid part of it. And it made this little, I don't know. It's almost like a little pup tent, like an inverted pup tent. And, you know, when I was doing research on that, that's, it's actually, that's what they do. So they build this little silken tent like thing. And that is where they go to shelter when there's bad weather and use that like overnight because jumping spiders are diurnal. They're active during the day. And so they'll hang out in that little tent thing at night. They'll molt inside of their shelter. That's where they build their egg case in there. And then they also are going to overwinter in there. So it's one of those, you know, where, where do spiders go when it rains? Well, they have a little tent that they make out of silk and they go in there and they hang out. So, so cute. <laughs> so your little house for the, for the jumping spider, did you buy that? Is it like meant for jumping spiders? You already had that thing. It's not meant for jumping spiders. Um, I actually, I found this in target that like right in that area where you like first walk in the dollar and, bin. The dollar yeah. Area. So I just, I was like, Oh, I can put something in that. <laughs> and so that's, I picked it up. that's the trend now, right. Is to have like, like a, a jumping spider garden or uh, there's a term for it. Yes. What's it? I don't remember what it's called. Like the little fairy gardens that they'll set up yeah. for them. Oh, so a- oh, well, mine, mine's not fancy. My jumping spider is more uh, utilitarian than cute. No, I was, <laughs> I was given one, uh, like a little container. It's cute. It's a little like rectangular prism. I don't know, yeah. box for, uh, I'm assuming a spider. I haven't put anything in it yet, but I really want to. Well, the thing is, these jumping spiders, if you look online, they are selling them for ridiculous amounts of money. And I mean, I know that they're breeding them and they're it's expensive and difficult to breed them and all that stuff. But we have these outside so you can just kind of go get one and put it in a container and you don't have to pay $60 for a spider. (laughs) Yeah. Are they breeding like special ones or are they just the same old ones you can find? No, they're just the ones like the ones (laughs) that we can find here. I'm sure you can't find them in every place, but here in Texas, you know, we have a decent amount of the ones that they're kind of hot commodities. So. I was always, um, but we'd always find jumping spiders. And to Molly's point, these were a little larger than the ones that I've seen I mean, in the past year, very black with like white coloration, but they always had these like intense, and I don't know if it's a distraction for prey or if it's an attraction for a sexual, uh, like a reproductive, you know, spider, but the uh, like metallic blue. Yeah, it's, it's really, really cool to look at. Oh, I love them. I feel like that's the bold jumper. Because they yes. also almost have a metallic bit on their abdomen. They have like a white dot. So people always assume that well, sometimes it's the dot can be anywhere from like a white to an orangey color. Okay. But yeah, they have those like bright blue chelicery. They're just yes. gorgeous. And then those little, uh, the little ones, I don't know which ones it is, but it's like the, the brown and gray and white striped ones. Those ones usually have like green chelicery. 
And there's some that have purple and they're just, they're so beautiful. And for those of you who are using the word chelicery, those are actually um, at the front of the spider that is part of the mouth. And that's what the fangs are going to be attached to. But jumping spiders, they're like very obvious and you can see them. They're very cool. Yeah. In my little guide thing that I always use, I'm counting 35 that they have uh, put in here for identification in Texas. And that's probably a fraction of what there really is. Yeah. And that's, a lot of them are just still a lot of spiders spider. for a guy. <laughs> I know it, it takes up. They are not quite. Yeah. They might. They're close to half of the spiders in the guide. <laughs> well, you know, largest family. So it would make sense, right? Yeah, it would. So it takes uh, jumping spiders about a year to reach adulthood. So when they hatch out of the egg, they will actually be in that little silken tent and they hang out in there until usually uh, after they molt the first time. And so the second instar can emerge out and then they kind of will continue to go back into that little tent and hang out until they get a little bit older, like into maybe the fourth instar. And then they'll start hunting on their own and doing their own thing. So uh, about a year for them to reach adulthood or sexual maturity. The males are going to live a shorter period of time than the females. And that can range for males and females anywhere from six months to two years in the wild. But if you're talking about them in captivity, they can live anywhere from three to four years, which isn't as much as tarantulas, but it's still pretty decent for a spider. So I mentioned the the eyes and the eyesight earlier. So this is like super crazy. So they have four pair of eyes and two pair of them are on the front of the cephalothorax and they're very large and very obvious when you look at them. They look like they're looking at you, which they probably are. And then they have another two pair of eyes that are on the side of the cephalothorax. And those are, sometimes they'll pick up colors. Others will help them with light levels. So as that light level changes, is it daytime? Is it nighttime? It helps them with seasonality. But the way that the eyes are set up on the cephalothorax it actually allows them to see almost 360 degrees. I think that they can't see like the tip of their abdomen, but it's like clear around and they don't have really good depth perception, which if you think about that and compare that to the statement that they're excellent hunters and they're very accurate and make very targeted jumps when they're jumping after prey, those two things don't seem to go together because it's like, well, if they have no depth perception, how are they going to be accurate in what they're targeting when they're trying to eat? And it's actually the way that they utilize their eyes. So their two main eyes that they have in the front are very similar to like the way that binoculars are. So there's multiple levels of lenses in the eye. And so they do something that's called an image defocus And so the light that's coming in, they're focusing that on the lower level of lens and the top level of the lens makes the image fuzzy. And then the spider, which, you know, it's not thinking the way that we're thinking, but it essentially uh, is measuring 
the amount of fuzziness of the image and then they can use that to calculate the distance crazy is insane and it's i'm just like one how did they evolve to be like that and two how did people figure that figure out? Figure that out, yes. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa, that's insane. That's a wild. Yeah. So hunting. So they're obviously, they're using their vision for hunting and moving around. And depending on the spider, this can vary. But most jumping spiders, when they see a possible prey item, they will line up their cephalothorax, which is the first section of the spider body. So that's where their eyeballs are going to be. And so when it's lining up its cephalothorax, it's lining up its eyes with the prey item. And then it'll move its abdomen to line up to everything. And then it sits there and it's inspecting the prey and checking things out. And if it decides that it wants to eat it, then it will start to stalk closer to the prey. There are some species of jumping spiders that instead of stalking the prey directly, they actually will wander around a lot and to the point where the prey may no longer be in their eyesight. And so they'll climb down a plant and go wander around and then they climb back up some other plant and they're just kind of hanging around and wandering until they get to that prey item. It's like they know where it is, but they're taking the the road less traveled, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> but then there are other jumping spiders that are more of, uh, instead of actively hunting things or stalking things, they're going to be more of a ambusher where they will just kind of hang out on a plant and they sit there and scan for prey that's coming into their area instead of actively going out and searching for something. Most of them are going to be generalists and kind of eat whatever that they capture. And like I mentioned, and we mentioned earlier, some of that stuff can be fairly large compared to their body size to the point where it could be a lizard or frog. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool, which I think the largest jumping spider in the world is about an inch. So, I mean, it it gets pretty big, but I mean, the ones we have around here, I'm going to say what, they're half an inch, three quarters of an inch or so. There are some jumping spiders that only eat ants. It's like they really? specialize in eating ants. And I was like, that is a very weird specialization. Uh, I know there's an ant mimic jumper. Is that the one that only eats ants? I I didn't even think about looking at that. So somebody look that up. I, I'm curious now. There are also some, some jumping spiders that will go into other spider webs and they steal the food that is wrapped up in those spider webs and they eat those. And then there are also other jumping spiders that will go into other spider webs and eat the spiders that are there. <laughs> so it's kind of all over. And then most people, while we think that spiders are carnivorous, they're eating other animals. They also have some jumping spiders that include nectar as their food, which I'm thinking oh. then in my brain, I'm like, well, they're really hairy. So they're going to be picking up pollen on their bodies. So they have to be pollinating stuff. Yeah. 
spiders as pollinators. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm not finding that they specifically, the ant mimic ones specifically eat ants, but just that it allows them to get closer to ants, which duh, yeah. you could have figured yeah. that out. I think probably another thing that some people that are listening to this might have heard of are the courtship displays that occur yeah. with jumping spiders, more specifically the peacock spiders, which are very colorful in the male form. They definitely have sexual dimorphism there where the females and the males look different. But the male spiders often will be either brightly colored or have iridescent hairs or kind of real feathery looking hairs. And a lot of that is going to be on their front legs when we're talking about the hairs and stuff. And then a lot of times the bright colors are going to be on their abdomen. But they are going to essentially, I'm going to say dance, even though it's not dancing per se. But they will display the colors and the different things that they have to attract the females during this dance. And if you've ever watched the videos on YouTube, they are fantastic because the male spiders are, you know, sliding back and forth <laughs> on a surface or zigzagging around. There are some of them that will drum and kind of like vibrate their abdomen or body and it's all of this elaborate courtship that they have. And so if the female is receptive to the male, then she kind of goes down into this little passive crouching position. And that's when the male will start to approach her and he'll touch her with his front legs. And if she doesn't try to eat him at that point... <laughs> and she's still receptive, then he will actually be allowed to mate with her. And spiders don't mate like we probably think that they do. The males will have the sperm packet on their palps, which are their mouth parts. <laughs> and so when they're mating with the female, they kind of turn her abdomen to the side, which exposes the epigynum, or well, at least that's how I'm going to say it, the epigynum. <laughs> and it's this little specialized pocket on the underside of the female's abdomen that they use to store sperm. And so that's where he will place his palp and he puts the little sperm uh, packet into that. And so it's, it's quite different because they're not mating like we think you know you yeah. see like two beetles hooked together and you know what they're doing you know spiders are a little bit different apparently yeah. where it's not what the would same. you i wonder what you would call that there i don't remember the term for it but like how fish and frogs just kind of spit it into the water and then the female gets it it's like an open mating thing it's like you know what i mean there's a term yeah. for it and i can't remember and they're not really doing they're not really doing that, but they're not really truly mating. He's touching her, but not with genitalia. It's like a transitional way to mate. Yeah. I was trying to look up and I couldn't find the information. I was like, well, how does the sperm that's stored in this little pocket get to the eggs to be fertilized? And because there's also like a female 
jumping spiders haven't mated, they can still lay eggs that are just unfertilized. And then those eggs will either, you know, just dry up or she might possibly ingest them. But I couldn't find any information about that. So I was kind of frustrated about that because I I have questions that need to be answered. So if you are a spider expert, contact me. I have lots of questions. Yeah, it's it's still sexual reproduction, but there's a, I feel like I remember learning a term for it in school. Yeah, it's like it's it's a different a different transfer method. Uh-huh. I, I but see, I'm I need gonna... to go back and study all of that terminology. The spider that went to space, because I know everybody wants to know about the spider that went to space. <laughs> so there was a jumping spider that traveled to space. And it apparently spent a hundred days on the International Space Station. So who sent him? What did did the U.S. send him, or did apparently a cosmonauts? Eighteen-year-old uh, from Alexandria, Egypt, won the YouTube Space Lab video contest. Okay, and so he got to send this spider into space. So maybe it wasn't like a NASA thing or like a Russia, Russian astronaut thing. It was, yeah, it's more a a PR Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) But the spider's name was Nefertiti (laughs) after, you know, Nefertiti, the Egyptian queen. I wonder if it was really a female. I know. I'm curious. Like, did they actually check? And you can actually, (laughs) you can sex. Okay. You can sex your jumping spiders. The males, you want to look for the kind of enlarged palps on the front and they have this little kind of crescent shaped thing. And then on the females, you want to look on the underside of the abdomen for this little shiny kind of hairless dot looking thing. And that's actually that epigynum that I was talking about. So that's how you can tell can boys tell. from girls. Because I'm sure everybody wants to know exactly what their jumping spider is, right? <laughs> so apparently this jumping spider was sent on to the International Wait, uh, Space Station because they were seeing if it was able to adapt to the effects of weightlessness and still capture its prey. Oh, could it? And apparently it was successful. It was able to do that. And then when it returned to Earth, it readjusted then it just kind of went back so but the the hypothesis isn't uh was that the spider would have difficulty capturing its prey in space but the spider apparently adjusted the way that they captured prey so instead of them jumping like they normally do she kind of walked up to it and got it that way kind (laughs) of slower yeah, a little bit slower and slyer. <laughs> like moon jump, jumping spider. Could <laughs> <laughs> you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say it jumped and like, like swam its way through the air to uh, its prey. Oh, that would be so cute with this little drag line there. <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> oh. So the, um, the, the peacock jumping spiders, that's... Those are jumping spiders as well, right? Yeah, um, those are the ones that I believe they're in Australia. And those are the ones with the super elaborate mating dances and coloration. And 
I got to see a documentary with the, it's a woman that's recording the documentary, but she's kind of narrating, you know, the two individuals and what, how the, you know, male will kind of come up underneath the leaf and just not distract, but do like a show for, for the female, try to get her interest. Um, essentially it's like, okay, well, she's not interested. She's just going to eat you. Food's food. So jumping spiders, possibly the cutest and coolest of the spiders, at least in my opinion. Tune in next time to find out about our next group of spiders, which are going to be the orb weavers in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. Howdy to our listeners and fellow bug nerds. We want to take the time to tell you to check out our show notes on each episode and for more information and supplemental materials on the topics covered. Additionally, if you have any questions or recommendations for what you may want to learn more about, you can send us an email to www.bugsbytheyard at gmail.com. If you enjoy this content and would like to learn more about structural pests that may invade your home, check out our other podcasts, Unwanted Guests. Brought to you by Texas A&M University AgriLife Extension and the Department of Entomology. As always, please subscribe or follow the podcast feed to make sure you never miss an episode.